Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm sitting here with Ben Hunter, our fiction lover, and we are sitting across from the one and only Charlotte Wood. Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute delight to have you with us. Um, we've both read your new book, The Weekend, and we are enormous fans. I actually live, I think we should just get the, the gushing out, out of the way. <laughs> I can't gush on cue. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's such a wonderful novel. Um, it's actually my first novel that I've read by you. I haven't, I'm oh, coming okay. in fresh, yeah. Ah. And I don't tell that to many people because they're all like, oh, surely you've read The Natural Way of Things. And it's like, no, nope, uh, haven't, sitting no, on my shelf. It's really interesting and exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I read The Natural Way of Things um, in the um, flurry of readership yeah. <laughs> that exploded out of that book. I had absolutely everybody talking. Um, you know, it was a book that seemed to be, you know, uh, it's, it, looking back on it, it seems to be both before its time and then, you know, it's, it's, we were sort of waiting for it <laughs> too. Yeah, it was funny timing. It sort of just came at the right time, I think. Mm. Um, one of those, you know, lucky things that just struck a chord sort of just before the Me Too thing sort of took off well, a couple of years before. But, um, yeah, I mean, I was as surprised as anybody when it did so well. Mm. And, and, and more recently I went back and read Animal People um, and that book just, I mean, all of your books have really struck a chord with me. Um, Animal you, People just uh, crescendo, I took a character that I absolutely adored and just crescendoed to a point at which uh, he's a complete mess. <laughs> just all of his <laughs> pretension and, and dignity has been stripped away <laughs> and he's um, cowering with an animal um, and you get to that moment almost at the end of chapter one of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. You know, I hadn't even registered that um, connection about the animal. Um, somebody said to me the other day, oh, you always have animals in your books. And I was mm. like, do I? <laughs> um, just shows how oblivious you are when you're writing a new book. It's like you've never written one before in lots of ways, which is probably a good thing, but also kind of. Alarming. <laughs> My <laughs> memory is so bad. But um, so the new novel, The Weekend, and this is a story about four women, one of whom has passed away 11 months before the events of this book. And it tells the story of three women who go to her house in order to clean it up. So we have Adele, Jude and Wendy. Again, what can you tell us about them? Well, they are... As you say, the three friends of Sylvie who has died and who was kind of... She was sort of the glue that held them all together in a way. Um, they've been friends for, you know, many decades. They met in their 30s, they're now in their 70s and they are each coming to terms with um, the fact that they've lost Sylvie who, you know, I think privately each of them kind of feel like she was her really best friend <laughs> and there's they're realizing that they they almost don't know how to be with each other now she's not there and they're they've brought together on the weekend before christmas as you said to clean out her beach house and they are three kind of um you know they really love each other but they are quite scratchy with each other um jude is uh, quite a bit of a control freak <clears throat> she's 
one of those people who people say, oh, she doesn't suffer fools, which always makes me kind of terrified to meet somebody when people say that about them. The thing Um, you said about her that I loved was you said she had something of the undertaker about her. (laughs) And that was such a great line. (laughs) Well, that's what Wendy thinks about her. So... um, Wendy thinks that Jude is always a bit gratified when something goes wrong for other people. Um, Jude's very organised. She's She used to run the city's best restaurants in her younger days. She's been having an affair for 40 years with a married man called Daniel. She's a very controlled sort of person and sort of compartmentalises her life into very orderly sort of, um, you know, ways of being. So then she brushes up against her other friends, Wendy and Adele. And Wendy is kind of almost the polar opposite, I suppose, of Jude in that she's quite chaotic. She's been a very well-known public intellectual sort of feminist um, author and she's, um, you know, really doesn't care much about what she looks like or and her house is full of junk and papers and also full of dog paraphernalia because she's got this very beloved and very ailing old dog Finn who she um, drags around everywhere with her that Finn becomes a cause of quite a lot of friction through Mm. this weekend and the third friend is Adele who is an actress she's been a very well-known theatre actress at this point in the book um her as the book opens we learn that her girlfriend who she'd moved in with um if you can call you know a woman in her 50s a girlfriend (laughs) uh so she's significantly younger than Adele but basically she's kicked her out she doesn't want to live with her anymore and Adele is only just sort of realizing that oh my god I've got a you know this relationship's over um so they all come to the beach house with these kind of um troubles behind them in a way or troubles underway that they haven't particularly um, taken enough notice of yet. Wendy's writing a book. She's got in her ear, in her sort of in her mind, the echo of a horrible review she got for her last book um, a couple of years before that. And that review, this um, male reviewer said, look, basically she's too old. She should just back off. Um, and that, of course, infuriates her. But she can't help that those words coming into her mind when she's trying to think of her new work. So there are sort of struggles and frustrations. Adele is also out of work. She hasn't had any work for a year um, and she's broke. So there are anxieties and frustrations about not really so much about being older but about our society's objection to older people. And and um, I think one of the women says at one point, you know, when you get old, people think that what you want is your lost love or youth or sex or men. And, and I think it's Adele and she says, what you wanted when you got old was work and you wanted money. Mm. And she hasn't got either of those. So that, um, you know, is pretty stressful. If I could sum it up, I would, I would probably say this is a book it had to sort of nail it in two words I'll probably say it's a book about age and it's about friendship um with the uh, starting with the age thing you start really strongly with this um uh, ever ready presence of death you know they everyone is mourning Sylvie in their own way um 
and you have this fantastic uh, moment with Jude um, just dreaming of visiting church. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, wh where did that sort of impulse come from? Well, I, can't, I don't really know where that particular impulse came from, but Jude wakes up and has this urge that she's had a couple of times before to go to church, which she immediately dismisses as obviously some form of... Um, cognitive decline because she's not a religious person and she you know she says well I'm not going to go to church because I'm not a fool or a coward mm. but there's something kind of instinctive in her that that thinks about the space of a church of a place where you can kneel in the quiet I mean Jude's Jude, you know she thinks about herself she has no illusions and she she has no illusions about her relationship with Daniel um, and yet Things sort of keep pushing at her that she dismisses because they're just silly or sentimental. Or, um, but you know, she's at a point in her life where there's sort of um, her certainty about things is is starting to fray a little bit. But she can't acknowledge that to herself. And so I think, you know, her urge to go to church um, is about some sort of acknowledgement in in you know, right at the back of her mind of of the possibility of mystery being something important or of sacredness or holiness and all that all those sorts of concepts that she would ordinarily just dismiss as just silly nonsense. So uh, and it's a kind of it's a f an expression of vulnerability that she would never admit to as well. Jude's really interesting to me, you know, it's it's obviously there's 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 a triangle of these these three women. Um, they're trying to and you they're all trying to breach <laughs> this empty <laughs> space in between mm. them uh, and guessing it to how that's going to happen. Uh, Jude is is it it the journey with her is all about stripping back this veneer of being in control mm. and being generous and gracious and being a host. Mm. Um, and there's there seems to be all these pretensions around that um, and. Uh, with the other two, um, Wendy and Adele, that it's their journey seems to all be about the the magic, um, sort of disappearing from uh, their careers. You know, mm. uh, whether it's the stage or whether it's uh, books. Mm. Um, do you did you read it that way, Olivia? That it's kind of you know in this triangle. Jude is sort of at a right angle to the <laughs> two. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I felt, if anything, that Adele and Jude were like polar opposites. Adele's mm. a very um, indulgent. I don't. Actually, selfish is such a harsh word because there's a generosity to her, and that she just wants things to be beautiful and fun and lovely, and that often grates with Jude's mm. need to be practical and to be in control. And to me, it seems like we, Wendy was a bit of a not a mediator, but just kind of a lot more mellow, and at a, at a yeah, so I don't know if it's a triangle rather than a straight line <laughs> <laughs> upon which Wendy moves according to how she's feeling. Yeah, I mean, Wendy's sort of, she's so focused on her creativity, I suppose, on her work. So is Adele, but Adele depends on other people. So she's, you know, she feels that she's still as good an actress as she's ever been and why isn't she getting the work? Whereas Wendy's uh, work is about 
coming from within herself. So she can still work. Um, and to her, the only things that are important to Wendy really are Finn and her work. Um, and, you know, she's she has to come to terms with some um, revelations in the book about what what her life has actually been like compared to what she thinks it's been like in the past. Um, and Adele is... I really like Adele, even though she's kind of, you know, a bit of a flake at times. Mm. <laughs> she's really... She's a person of the body. She's very... As you say, she loves beauty. She can't understand why Wendy just has to look the way she does and wear those crappy old T-shirts and she, you know... Adele's kind of um, likes to present herself to the world with, you know, with um, a sense of gentleness and civility and beauty and that's very important to her. And then the other women are kind of, you know, secretly envious of Adele's um, really good health and she's really fit and she runs up and down the stairs whereas they have to take the inclinator, this <laughs> kind of rusting old... Um, Oh, every time they got on the inclinator, I was like, this is it, one of them oh, going to fall. It makes that house such a beautiful stage. It does, yeah. Mm. Yeah, the house is on a very uh, steep hillside on, on the coast and it's got an inclinator, which I realised uh, through the editing of the book that not everybody knows what an inclinator is. Oh, I was clueless. <laughs> and it's a, it's a kind of a like a uphill sort of monorail mm. thing um, that are used on a lot of steep blocks um, around New South Wales anyway. I didn't realise that... Someone pointed out to me that in Melbourne, no one would know what an inclinator is because it's flat. So, yeah. That's why Google exists. <laughs> exactly. You balance the um, point of view of each of these women. Yeah, it's really um, well done. Like, it it's not like separate... <laughs> sorry to jump on your question, but like the thing that I loved is that you didn't split them into individual chapters with each mm. character, which a lot of writers do do and do do really and well. And I have done too in the past, yeah. but I wanted to kind of... It's so much Get more fluid. More, yeah, fluid. Is With your right early word. readers, have you experienced different people gravitating to a different character or a different perspective? What I've started to see, you know, a couple of people on Facebook are talking about it and stuff and I just don't say anything but I'm like, mm, what are they saying? And um, <laughs> there seems to be uh, people kind of recognising themselves as, you know, where do I fit, which one am I, which, um, who am I more like? Um, you know, I was asked the other day which one's more like me, but they're all me, you know. They're all kind of, I suppose, uh, aspects of myself that I am not particularly proud of, kind of stretched and slightly um, isolated and, and maybe magnified a little. But, I mean, Adele's sense of... She's got a, um, a sort of childlike um, pleasure and wonder at, you know, luxurious things and beauty, as we said, beauty. But, you know, she loves food. and But it's almost as if, I think at one point Jude says, you know, Adele treats the world as a great big hotel room just there waiting for her to come and sort of beautify it. And it drives Jude completely up the wall. So this is the glory of it. Um, you know, I... I you know, even even though they're vastly different from myself, I I, I found myself gravitating to one of these women. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Wendy. Um, oh, I would have guessed that. <laughs> See, it was Jude uh, for me. <laughs> I was saying earlier that it was like in um, I was saying earlier that um, I don't know. It's just something about my brain and my heart. As soon as they see that prickly 
like control freak. They're like you. I'm gonna love you, <laughs> and mm. it's it's not um, it's not blind love. It's like you love them because they're just this big entire flawed person. It's yeah. really interesting that you said Wendy. <laughs> I what what I really love is that you get to see. Uh, this character that you gravitate towards through the eyes of the others, mm. um, their pretensions towards you, their their pity that they feel for you, and um, and the ways in which they love you in despite of everything. Um, I think that is that's what makes this. Oh, look thank really you. Mm. I I wanted to sort of create that sense that each of those women actually thinks um, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I know I'm 75 or 76 or 72, however old they are, and you know I'm pretty. I'm in pretty good shape, and but sort of secretly looking at her friend, and thinking, "Well, oh, she's really not doing so great. You know, she's a bit overweight." And look at her; so she wears those clothes that are too young for her. She should, you know, grow up a bit. And um, and then the others look at Jude and think, "Oh, poor Jude. She doesn't know how to have fun anymore." And so that sense of a kind of movable um, impression, and and I think I realised sort of after writing the book in a way that. One of the things it's about is how well we know ourselves or not, you know. And I used to think, I think that as as you get older, you know yourself better and better. But I've come to think that that's not necessarily true, and that you can still get a big shock and reality check, you know, late in life about you know you think that you're this sort of person, but it's suddenly presented to you that no, you're not. <laughs> in these other people's eyes, you're you're a completely other kind of person. So that sort of destabilization is um, kind of good for fiction, I think. One of the things we love to do as useless twenty somethings is <laughs> um, uh, imagine a glorified version of ourselves as an as a retiree. You know, I'm going to be that perfect grandpa or that perfect grandmother, that kooky uncle. I'm going to be. Um, so gracious and I'm going to be so confident and I'm going to be so kind and lovely and funny and I'm going to be that person that everyone just wants to be with. Um, well, I'm glad that you think like that because <laughs> a lot of people would think, oh, I'm going to, you know, that age necessarily equates to, you know, misery and decline and loss and, um, and you know, there there are certain losses that go on, you know, as you get older but... There are losses all through life, you know. There are losses. You lose your childhood. You lose, mm. you know, all kinds of um, things from from a very young age. And I think we sort of tend to think that, you know, youth is perfect, middle age is okay, old age is terrible. And it's sort of such a boring way to think about life mm. because it's much more fluid than that. It's much more change going on all the way through life, I think. And, you know, as I've got older, I've gotten... I have become happier um, and stronger and um, healthier and um, I think smarter um, and I'm sure at a certain point that it's going to turn in other directions but um, but also I think you know life changes you and you yeah. cannot predict what's going to happen yeah you get these, older, if these, you get older you know? yeah. <laughs> all these pettinesses and all these um, anxieties that creep into these women's psyche it's 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 terrifying and it's um and it's very funny <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i wanted it to be funny mm. and the wonderful thing about age and the fact that the characters are as you say in their 70s is age is that great concentrating force where like you don't have that much time so 
you feel everything a lot more fiercely and with a lot more clarity, I feel. So then the tiniest thing becomes magnified. So that's why, um, you know, something like sitting on Jude's beautiful, creamy, <laughs> spotless couch in your dirty slacks becomes a humongous issue that's representative of everything that's wrong with who the dirty sitter is. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everything that's wrong with Jude for freaking out about just a couch. And friends become such a valuable commodity because you can't accrue more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And they're dying, you know? Um, And so you have to hold on to what you have. Yeah. When I was writing this book, I was talking to a couple of friends of my mother-in-law and they said, what are you writing about? And I said, I'm writing about these women in their 70s and these women were in their late 70s, possibly even early 80s. And they were very interested that I was looking at that stuff. And and I said, well, what do you think about being old? And one of them said, I hate it. I hate everything about it. And I said, what do you hate about it? And she said, "Um, I hate that people talk to you as if you're an idiot and I hate it. People keep grabbing my arm when I'm trying to cross the road and trying to help me and I don't want any help. And... And I was like, but that's not about being old. That's about what we think about old people. You know, it's not to do with you. It's to do with our culture's um, um, prejudices about age. Um, So it's not actually about the ageing process. It's about um, stereotyping. But the other woman said, well, I, I don't mind it at all, but the only thing I really hate is losing my friends. And she had just had... In that year, I mean, she was a bit older than the women in my book, but she'd had two close friends die. And I thought, I can't, you know, my parents died very young. I've got, you know, I've had quite a lot of death in the family thing, but I, until my friend Georgia Blaine died a couple of years ago, uh, a writer that I hope your listeners will know and love. Go and find those books, they're very good. Yeah, (laughs) Georgia was amazing. And she was the first friend I'd had who died and that was so devastating to me that I thought I couldn't, I can't think about you know, my friends dying. Um, but obviously that's something that is going to happen to all of us at some point, that we will lose our friends. How do you think that this novel, um, where does this novel sit for you? Um, this is the seventh? It's the sixth novel, but the eighth sixth. book. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Where, where does it sit for you? I mean, the, the natural way of things obviously was huge and brought up this new sort of level of readership. Um, is, is there a now and then aspect to...? Well, I've yeah, there's a kind of before and after the natural <laughs> way of things. And I think I was saying to you guys before we started recording that... Um, you know, there are quite a few people who think this is my second novel, yes. The Weekend. And I'm like, oh, no, it's my sixth novel. But it, And I think it's much more in the vein of my previous work, but I, I hope it's better than my previous work. Um, but it's um, – I had a woman write to me the other day and say, I just, I just read um, two of your books, The Natural Way of Things and Animal People – I really loved animal people <laughs> and um, I was very uncomfortable about the other one and I was like, thank you. I mean, thank you for reading them anyway and, and for writing and and I get that you're uncomfortable and that was kind of the point. 
But I really, I love that she loved animal people because that's, you know, maybe my kind of secret favourite of my books. Um, so I feel like The Weekend is more in the vein of my, I feel like The Natural Way of Things was a weird kind of, um, I probably shouldn't say that because it's the most successful one by a long way, but a kind of uh, outlier for me and who knows what will happen in the future. But um, I suppose I'm returning to a kind of domestic sphere with this one. And um, But I, I think the craft is better in, in the weekend. I think I've learned much more about how to tell a story. Um, and maybe what the natural way things did give me was some confidence that I Good. hadn't had before. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's sort of funny to be assessing your own work like that. I kind of feel like that's for other people to do, yeah. really. <laughs> we have, and we think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's um, about all we have time for today. Uh, this has been wonderful, Charlotte. Thank, Thank you so you much. Thank you, both of you. Thanks so much to Booktopia for this. Wonderful. It's been our pleasure. You've given a real gift to our readers. <laughs> yes. You can buy your copy of The Weekend at booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Booktopia podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if your eyeballs need a workout, check us out on YouTube at Booktopia TV. And don't forget for all books featured on this episode and all episodes of the Booktopia podcast, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at www.booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening.